Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one serene page of Talmud every day. And I do mean serene, because in today's page, Nadarim 29, we come across this incredible segment. Have a listen. Abayah said to him, And does inherent sanctity not depart with nothing being done? But isn't it taught in the Baraita that if one said, For all of 30 days it is a burnt offering, and after 30 days it is a peace offering, one can ask, Why is this so? These offerings are examples of inherent sanctity, and it departs with nothing being done. After 30 days it is transformed into a peace offering without any action being taken. This incredible, powerful idea of inherent sanctity, of some things just transforming and becoming what they were always meant to become, not by us taking action, hustling, working hard, doing the thing that we're supposed to do, as we're constantly told is the way to go about it, but merely by, you know, by being there. This reminded me of an incredible conversation I recently had the pleasure of having. You'll hear the whole thing later on the Unorthodox podcast. But for now, here's what you need to know. My co-host Mark Oppenheimer and I were talking to a young man named Jonathan Stolls. Some years ago, he was in a very bad place in life. He grew up in a community that had a hard time accepting the fact that he was gay. He felt very insecure about himself and not really sure what, frankly, living was all about. And he seriously thought about ending it all. And then he started doing something incredible. He started walking really, really slowly. A mile, two miles per hour, no faster. And he walked all the way from Delaware to California, the entirety of the United States, while really contemplating precisely the wisdom of today's page of Talmud, the wisdom of the immense change that comes about when you simply unlock your inner sanctity. Here is a snippet from our conversation with Jonathan Stalls, author of the book Walk, Slow Down, Wake Up, and Connect at one to three miles per hour. Inclusive stories and practices. I hope you enjoy it. the walk across the U.S. while I was raising awareness for, for Kiva and doing some things, the primary, the primary reason was, was to heal. It was just to get into a lot of hard stuff that was going on on the inside, to meet new people, to learn from people, to learn from landscapes, um, to slow things down. I mean, dude, you could do, you could do all this with a good bar crawl. You could be like, you know, what? I'm just going to go out in town, just go to a few bars, have a good time. How, how does the idea to walk for 242 days across the entire United States from Delaware to California come about. Why, why that? You know, I think it was the, it was the, just the disruption of it. It was, it was terrifying. I didn't do any backpacking, not a lot of camping growing up. So I didn't have, it wasn't like it was in the blood. It was just this, I wanted to throw myself into the unknown and start over fresh slate and throw myself into things that were scary, but also exciting and just really grapple in the unknown and, and, and in moment by moment fashion. So literally going through towns and not knowing where I would sleep, not knowing who I would meet, the terrifying but wonderful reality of 
the high desert and the mountains and, and exploring them and conquering them in a way, you know, just to get through them, to feel them, to struggle with them. The people you met on the road, those stories are so beautiful. You were you were recovering at the time, as you say, from a lot of personal sadness. You had you had come close to wanting to end it all pretty recently. You also you allude to the fact that you were recovering from some forms of Christianity that had been pretty difficult to have to inhabit. And then you meet this woman who runs to take you home for an Easter dinner. Can you share with everyone that story? Because that's like it's it's worth the book by itself, if that's all the book were. Uh yeah, that. That story was so, so humbling. So I, I start off the story and this is how, you know, Sundays, 11, 12 o'clock, church lets out or services let out. You know, there's people driving by, they see me moving alongside the road and it's, you know, shoulder out the window, like, do you know our Lord? <laughs> Are you saved yet? You know, and because of my history, I, you know, I grew up in mixed evangelical, mixed Catholic, and, you know, I'm gay, queer. And so being comfortable in that space, that's a big part of what, what led up to just wanting to end things because I wasn't comfortable. I was hating who I was. I was fed all these things. All of that was kind of still boiling and bubbling on the inside as I did this walk in Ohio, which is where this story was located, was still in the early couple months of the journey. So I'm still a little raw. I'm still finding my way. And, you know, people would pull over. And so I got to the point where I started just playing with, you know, I had judgments and I'm like, ah, I just wish they would come out and move with me instead of through the windshield of a car, just try and, you know, save me via <laughs> certain messages. And, you know, this woman was, she was so humble. She pulled over and this was maybe after a couple other people had pulled over as well that same day, because um, it was Easter Sunday. And she just said, you know, will you come up here? And, and it evolved into like, I just, I'm in a hurry. I saw you walking on my way to church. I'm going back. I'm cooking a meal for my family. Would you, would you come? But you got to decide quick. <laughs> and so I, I thought about it, didn't think twice, jumped in the back of the truck. We get to her place. The family doesn't know what to do with me. I kind of jump in, shake their hands, engage. Kanoa is a really playful dog, so it kind of breaks the ice. And it turns out just to be a beautiful meal with new people in rural Ohio. And within maybe an hour, hour and a half, and the agreement, the agreement was that she would drop me back off where she picked me up. That was often the case when people would pick me up and, and do things. I would really want to be dropped off back so I could keep going and and so before I had to go back, uh, she invited me into her home and was just saying, hey, I, I also wanted to invite you into this. And she's trying to get the words out. She's trying to communicate. She's breaking up with tears. I mean, she can't fully get the words out, what she's trying to share to me. So this is about maybe probably five, 10 minutes, um, which is a long time when you're kind of in those intimate, unknown spaces. And so I'm just kind of letting her you know, feel things. And I, I noticed that the daughters are in the kitchen and they're observing. And so they start coming in and they huddle together next to the doorway and she's trying to get the words out and eventually put my hand on her shoulder. And I'm just like, it's okay. It's okay. Like I, I'm here, I, whatever you want to share. And, um, and then she eventually starts, she turns around, she grabs um, a bowl of rocks and she grabs a photo and she hands me the photo and it's a it's a photo and then she explains that this is a photo of my grandson jason um this has been a really one of the hardest seasons for us um just a few months ago 
Jason took his life and we have no idea why we're devastated. This is our first holiday together. It's, it's on, we're on edges. I mean, she just kept, you know, and as she's crying the whole time, it's extremely vulnerable. And so I, I take the photo, she's handing it to me and I kind of look at this image and Jason is, you know, teenage young man leaning against his car. The, you know, I just describe him like any other teenager, potentially, you know, just hanging out, he's smiling, you know, and I, and I think just because of my own personal, uh, you know, journey with suicide and attempts and knowing those edges and having um, just a lot of complicated, buried, suppressed realities going on on the inside. I just I immediately connected to this, to kind of the ache of this photo. And so I'm tearing up now and, you know, we're just having this really intimate exchange. And, you know, in, in a matter of moments, she's just like, you're going to see things. Um, you're going to see things that we may never get to see, incredible spaces and places and and, and mountains and canyons and Will you take some of these rocks and leave them in places that um, are beautiful and inspiring and representation of Jason's life? And I'm just, so now, I mean, the tears, I'm a mess. She's a mess. The daughters, we're all kind of in this huddle, you know, and I couldn't help but, you know, thinking about even that morning with all the, um, you know, just the kind of the roadside altar calls. Like, I just, I'm like, what, what? the questions of what what was Jason going through? What couldn't he say? What couldn't he invite people into? And so I was really thinking a lot about that after she dropped me off. And But a very beautiful story and a reflection of the stories that would that would unfold throughout throughout the walk. I would have said, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm walking. So these rocks are really heavy. I, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, but but this leads me to a serious question. I mean, the, yeah. the thing that was most amazing about this journey, it, one of these, so many amazing things about this journey, but you talk about these, as you call them, trail angels, right? The people who just appear to you and just take you in. And, and, and I was just so amazed, not only by really what seemed like the abundance of just really great human beings, but also about your ability which seemed to me in the book and seems to me even more now as we talk to really kind of like be very open uh, and present to these people. So I want to ask you how, especially as someone who comes from a background that is not, it's not easy, uh, who had to deal maybe because you've had to deal with, with all that stuff. How do you get yourself to a point? I'm not even talking about the basic of like, I'm, I'm not going to go into this stranger's house, <laughs> maybe a complete <laughs> psychopath, but just really, I'm going to be at this most rare and deep open sense of being where I could actually have these real conversations with people as opposed to being like, so uh, how, how about the Mets? Isn't, isn't it great that they lost? Like, how do you do that? Oh gosh. I, thank you for that question. I mean, I, I would just attribute it some of it to when I grew up, I moved every two years. So I was constantly, my parents split when I was young, when I was six, and it was an ugly split. So there was a lot of being thrown into environments and in new schools. I was teased a lot as a kid. So it's a complicated, I have to pivot to try to fit in. I mean, 12, 13 different schools just up until middle of high school. So it was just, it was just chaos. And so adapting to a lot of different people groups, which I think maybe is part of it, but also because of all of that teasing and growing up and being a new student and queer and sensitive and artistic, I just, it was just so much was buried. And 
And when, when I was at the, at the edge at the end, you know, in 2006, 2007, where I just didn't want to do it anymore. At least that's the story I was feeding crawling out of that, walking out of that. Uh, it was, it was a pretty loud, uh, shaky place. So when I, when I knew that I wanted to walk across the U S or something like that, um, I was reading a, an amazing book, Peter Jenkins walk across America. It's, it's, it's awesome, wonderful stories. But as I was reading it, as I was, this is in the middle of, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to do something. I'm not grounded, but I'm not going to go back to what I was, what it was. I, I want something that's going to break me open, literally break me open. No more of these stories that are that are boxing me in, un, unhelpful, trying to shut me down, done. <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't know what it was. I read this book and I reacted so strongly as I'm reading this book. Like I remember three times throwing the book across the library. <laughs> like I'm like, God, this is so much emotion right now. I'm angry. I'm sad. I get to my apartment. I take all my clothes off and I'm like playing the guitar and I'm lighting candles and I'm crying. I mean, it's a visceral body. Like this is a, this is something is starting over and this is maybe how, and I just wanted to lean into that. And so I just think that's how the walk started. I mean, I was raising awareness for Kiva. I was doing some things to kind of get me you know, out of, I didn't want to be all consumed in that place. And I wanted to do some other things, but the walk started with just this uh, kind of raging cry for um, being open to anything, new teachers, new people, new things. Jonathan Stalls, you've been an extraordinary gentile of the week and we, we would love to walk with you. So next time you're in New York, let us walk together. I'd be so honored. I'm so grateful. Thank you all. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.